Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Matt Croger. I'm Mark Zelensky. I'm Steve Hilger. I'm Jeremy Duvall. I'm Ralph Enough. And I'm Alex Coos. Today we're just going to do a little bit of a hobby catch-up during our uh, isolation period of quarantine and social distancing and we're going to have a little bit of a fiery debate about a little bit of a powerful, heated topic that came up on the Facebook pages this week about toy armies. With our uh, you know, recent quarantine situation across the globe, uh, we're all in a bit of isolation, which has provided most of us with a little extra time for hobby and to kind of really go deep and into the backlog of our, our closets and shelves. So. We uh, at Countercharge have created a the painting challenge for April to try and like motivate people to take that extra step and an extra effort towards their and upping their hobby and painting. So, Jeremy, what's uh, our update on the painting challenge? Yeah, so it's been going really great. I will say that we probably have had way more entrants than what any of us had thought or hoped for. The submission thread as of this morning is up over 400 posts. It's crazy. So not all of that are individual entries. Some of it is like, hey, that's cool. Or, you know, it's a little bit of chit chat. But we have a ton of entries. And just a reminder, we have uh, different categories for the painting challenge. So we have the uh, hero on foot or uh, mounted. We have a unit, a monster or vehicle. And we have an army challenge. So people who want to try to put together a whole army. Uh, we have a terrain challenge, and then we have an enthusiast challenge which is for people who have turned in one each in the hero category, unit category, and monster category. Remember, uh, Rob has a post uh, marked as announcement in the Countercharge Facebook page, which tells all the rules for the uh, challenge. Or if you have any questions, you can always just shoot me a message. Um, we're getting a lot of cool stuff. Uh, we're getting a lot of cool Mantic models. We're getting a lot of cool uh, random company models. We're seeing conversions. There's just been like a lot of really cool stuff. You know, uh, the mad scientist Chris Walsh has been entering in his uh, machinations of craziness. Um, Paige Neo put one in the other day with a wizard and he's using tape to make it look like magical energy, which I'm really curious and excited to see the end. He also has a cool... um, uh, the dire fang rider, but he's giving it wings to do like a beast of nature. I think he's going to be doing the, um, uh, the brotherhood order of the green lady. So he's got some stuff in from that. Um, there's just been like a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, people have, you know, from all sorts of different miniature lines, um, uh, big tanks, big monsters. So it's been like a really, a lot of cool stuff. Um, we did our first After Dark Live raffle, complete with prices Right music and my giant Mickey Mouse wizard hat that I drew the uh, winner. So if anything, just get on After Dark for the uh, the uh, cavalcade of costumes. But congrats again to Grant Fetter. He won a Zeddy box. The Zeddy are the uh, from Wrath of Kings. It's like a, they're vampire ladies. 
Uh, Dwayne won some rune golems from Rune Wars, really cool uh, monster kit. Daniel Wright, Big Dan from the Portland area, won a box of Carrion Lancers. And then how how the uh, the raffle went is there was three prizes, and as you drew names, you could pick one of the three boss, the prizes, or you could take what was in Rob's box. So Rob had a mystery box. So you could take Rob's box, or you could take one of the known prizes. So at the end, Jake uh, was the happy recipient of Rob's box, and he won a Krampus model from Hellboy. Is that a Hellboy model, Rob? It is. It okay, is. Okay, cool. Yeah. So congrats to Jake for uh, being adventurous to take Rob's box. I mean, not everyone has the fortitude to do that. So congrats to him. Yeah, and if you want to see that model, Matt G's painting one up in the challenge right now. Yeah, so it's going pretty good. I don't know. Have you guys had a chance to take a look at any of the uh, uh, postings? Anything sticking out to you as far as entrance? I've really tried to go through all of the posts. This is probably the widest diversity of things. Yeah, you mentioned there's a lot of Mantic stuff. But there's also just a lot of cool stuff, different models that I didn't even know about. Um, and so I'm asking lots of questions like, well, where's that from? And where's this from? And how do I get my hands on that? So it's been really cool just to see all these neat new models that people are finding to. We've got a lot of the uh, <clears throat> usual suspects there. I mean, got Tyler Schultz has done a great big dragon. Well, he's working on a great big dragon, this kind of green thing. That's pretty cool. Apparently it's a Reaper Bones dragon, but it's really cool. I mean, we've got Dustin Howard's Elementals, which are just ridiculous, to the point where someone's like, well, I'm not going to bother entering because they're too good. And we're like, no, it's not about... That's not the point. Yeah, yeah, that's not the point, right? But they are really, really nice. He's done some really nice... Kind of, kind of a stark effect with the white lining on them, but it really stands out. And we've got uh, Dan Reed uh, doing his amazing usual job. He's got some of his Gurpanthers on the go. And you already talked about... Um, uh, Matt G's uh, Krampus, which he's got on this bookcase. He's been sending me pictures of him painting skulls, loads and loads of skulls. There is tons of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just really cool entries. And just remember, in the end, you guys are going to get to decide who wins out of the main categories for the Mantic only. We'll have some help from Mantic HQ to pick. But so just remember that the winner is not necessarily going to be the best technically painted it could be something really cool or a cool model so don't let any of that discourage you guys from entering the contest and also remember uh, how the raffle works is it's just going to be random times maybe i'll give you guys hints on when to be on after dark to win prizes so there's plenty of opportunity to feel involved and and, and, uh, and get really into the contest and be excited no matter what level of uh where you are in your painting journey as we've talked about before you know everyone's hobby journey is their own hobby i know rob's a big proponent of that and wherever you are in your own journey that's great place to be so don't let any of that discourage anyone from taking part and and really uh, taking this opportunity to uh get some models painted you know we've all looked at this thread what are some of the what are some of our favorite right now i gotta bring up like steve said the dustin howard's like northern alliance stuff is great like he's got the elementals with that crazy contrast style but then he's also got um a frost giant and i think maybe a cavern dweller in there too like it his style is really great for those bright colors and i think that really they really stand out i think josh rosado um every time i see him post it's always like dexter's laboratory like he takes like this lower half from this model and this right arm from this model and he smooshes it together and he takes a dremel to a goblin head throws it at the wall and it comes out amazing so i'm uh, real excited to see all of his stuff from the moon moonshins I've just noticed that Drew Gaddy said he's posted, let me see how many, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think that's nine hordes of rats plus heroes. I did all these rats and bases in 17 days. 
Just stop. That's ridiculous. 17 days he's on a whole army. Is he still pushing pictures in the other direction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just turned my head all the way around to look at them. <laughs> Good job there. <laughs> I really liked uh, um, Joe Neat's uh, oh, unit. I can't wait I can't wait for him to like put all the models on there as well. That's going to be great <laughs> when he actually put... And just remember, when we're at the end of the contest, I'll give you guys full explanations on uh, – we'll, we'll circle back around to how everyone's going to submit their final picture. The main thing to think about in your final picture submission is if it's a Mantic army, just make sure as part of your submission or it's a Mantic model, just make sure you post – I mean we pretty much know all the Mantic stuff, but just in case – uh, I missed one. Just make sure if you're po when you're posting your finished pick, if it is a Mantic model, just do a little like, you know, it's Mantic or whatever, or you're using Mantic bits or whatever. So you can just make sure that those uh, uh, Mantic models get put in the correct uh, categories. Um, I'm really can't wait to see, um, you know, Tony Nelson's adding to his revolutionary ogres and he's got like a giant female ogre giant model. It's awesome. So that's going to be that's going to be pretty wild. Hey, by the way, have you guys? Did you guys watch the Vanguard stuff and all the new models we're getting for ogres? Yeah, look amazing. Yeah, I am really, really excited about those, Rob. They look really awesome. Uh, which is everybody's favorite? Mine's the Boomers Iron. I'm gonna go the uh, Queen, the Ogre Queen, the world. Matriarch. Yeah, Matriarch. Yeah, sweet, she's awesome. No, I was gonna say the same. I like, I like the, the, the Rackin Warlock. It's much better than any of that Ogre boring, you know, boring stuff, right? I mean, Rackin, right? Rackin, right, Alex? Yeah. Absolutely. Why haven't you given up on painting rats yet, Steve? It's not like you win with them ever. <laughs> oh, 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 God. <laughs> right, right in the truth. Got me there. That's why I'm playing Twilight, and at least I've got an excuse for losing now. The Vanguard stuff looks great, but also the new goblins. Oh, amazing. Wow. Yeah, really great. The, the Kamehameha, you know, how you can, uh, the wizard, the guy, the my is shooting them energy out of his hands. <laughs> I love the whiz that's mounted, and he's one hand fireballing, and the other hand he's trying to make sure his wizard hat doesn't fall off as he's, like, riding quick. I mean, those are just – they're hilarious. Really great models. I think Mantic's done, like, a great job just creating a really good character for their goblins, and they're really playing into that now with the new stuff. And I liked how one of the sharp sticks has, like, a broken Basilean shield and, like, a broken Basilean spear. So it's, like, I like that idea that goblins are just scavenging, you know, and they have bits and pieces from all the other races. Very cool stuff. And let's not forget, Ogre Seas Breakers are coming this summer. So those of us that want five or six units, it's now, you know, an easy an easier thing. And who doesn't oh, want five or six hordes? Yeah, I've always find that found that a really surprising gap in the line. You know, I, I wouldn't have thought it in the past it would have been that hard to add, you know, some sort of add-on to their existing models. Like a big shield. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I always found it really surprising because they've always been good too, right? So, mm, looking forward to that. I always like I like that the orgs are like mercenaries, so they kind of pull different styles together. I just I think the helmets. I think. Some of the helmets are cool. Some of them, I, I'm not sure. The one on the left is a little bit weird. But I think overall, I like that kind of collection of different aesthetics because they are a mercenary kind of army. And nobody mentioned the Berserker Bully, by the way, with the Mohawk. Amazing. I mean, I was like, wow, it's a Slayer Ogre. Yeah, he's really dynamic, leaping off of that rock and stuff. And I don't know, maybe too dynamic? I don't know. But uh, yeah, he didn't leap to mind for me. Well, you're not going to paint it anyways, Mark. It's just going to sit in the box. Rob, <laughs> I hear a challenge coming up. Okay. <laughs>
well, with that, let's segue into some hobby updates. Matt, you want to start us off? I know we've got a lot of stuff in our isolation. We're feverishly painting away. Hobby update. Yeah, so I've been uh, working on some undead. I, I um, actually haven't got a chance to get as much done. I'm, I'm not completely isolated yet. I'm still going to work every day. Live in a region of Australia that's not ridiculously affected yet. Um, most people can work from home, but I'm in health, so I can't. Um, so I'm working on undead that I started just before second edition landed. That was vampire counts, and then during second edition, I just I don't know, I couldn't get any love for the undead going, so they stayed in a box. Uh, So over the last month or so, I've been working away at primarily Mantic models for them. Um, So I think I've now, I'd now probably have over 3,000 points painted, I think, but then I'm trying to use the contrast paints with a bit of dry brushing. Um, I kind of figured that's perfect use of those paints because I don't mind if my undead look a bit bit dirty. so most recently, though, I've just about finished. I've got to do the basing on a Revenant King on Undead Worm, um, which I really enjoyed painting that, actually, the the, the model. It, I found it quite easy to paint. Um, and an old uh, GW Vamp on Bone Dragon. I've been doing those two guys together because um, I'm painting them similarly. Um, but I've also knocked out uh, Horde of Skellies, Horde of Re- Revenants, um, some, uh, I can't remember what the stealthy chaff are called. Can someone help me out there? A couple of regiments of those. Um, I just think the of them death stock. pack. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All, all that would come into my head was direwolves, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the death pack. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, my undead army's really grown. They're certainly not going to win any hobby awards, but for them, I've just really wanted to get them on the table and more importantly, get them off the gray shelf. Um, and I'm trying to finish those before I, um, work into the thousands of dollars of dragon empire models I've got sitting in the, <laughs> sitting in the cupboard that I've never touched. Um, that uh, I'm really looking forward to starting actually soon, as soon as I've finished this this dragon. Mark, what have you been up to? Do you remember what Kings of War is? Oh, absolutely. I am working on my, when I get a chance, I'm working on my Northern Alliance, still working on my Snow Trolls. I am jealous of how fast you guys can knock this stuff out. I hate to say, I think I've lost my muscle memory for my paintbrush there, so I'm trying to get uh, back into it. And I had a little tragedy there. I left my... Uh, Pot of Dawnstone open, and uh, I I did get a chance to bring it back to life, though, with a little distilled water and my new paint shaker I got for Christmas. So I was very happy about averting that tragedy. I also do not have a lot of love for bright gold from uh, War Paints, uh, Zombicide, which is Army Painter. So I think it's too thin. I'm I'm regretting using that for my shoulder pads on my uh, Snow Trolls, but I was trying to uh, keep up with the painting challenge over there at Blackjack Legacy, but, you know, fell off the uh, mark there due to work and everything. And now I'm working from my hobby room, so I will be trapped uh, working from home until May 1st. So I guess that's not so bad, but the worst part is I'm at home. So I'm hoping to convert a little bit of my commute time into painting time. It hasn't worked out yet because I had to get the company working remote and get through all these emergency loans and blah, blah, blah. But uh, hopefully we'll get there. So I'm pretty excited about that. 
and uh, just kind of getting a little bit more into it. I have gotten a little reading time, so I got to uh, check out Drown Secrets. If you haven't checked out our uh, episode on Drown Secrets, where we had uh, Ben Stoddard join us, uh, along with Brandon Rossbond, the editor of the story, check that one out. Uh, very, very enjoyable episode, I think. Um, but yeah, check that out. I'm very much excited. Uh, looking forward to that book coming out. I know it's probably going to be delayed because of all this virus mess. But uh, beyond that, I'm just uh, working away, and I do not like building scarecrows, and I still say that. So I have no idea how uh, people knock out those giant scarecrow armies. Just not for me. You will not see one for me, contrast, paint or not. So, but uh, Mark. Steve, oh, yeah. What what uh what's the paint shaker you have? I've been thinking about getting one. Um, that it's um my wife got it. It is a test tube shaker. So um I've got a little video. I'll try to toss it up on the uh up on the Facebook page, and um it's a laboratory test tube shaker. So it's okay, really I think good. Brian Brian Brodier has something like that too, where he uses like a, a, a not what you would think not a it's not a paint shaker, but it's something that sh- like shakes test tubes. So it might might be something similar to what you have. Yeah, it's got like a weighted base with a blue rubber cap, and you just kind of just touch it to it. Is it one of the Vortex? Yeah, ones? it's a Vortex one. Yeah. Okay. I just need one. I'm, I've been, you know, uh, especially for paints I haven't used in a while. And the scale 75s, you have to really give a shake to. So I've been looking at. So I'll have to keep my eye out for those shakers. Oh yeah, Jeremy, this one's awesome. Like I said, I left a bottle, a pot of Dawnstone open like all night long because I'm painting the clubs with my snow trolls with it. And I just put in some um, uh, the distilled water and just shook the hell out of it, and it's back to back to new. So I'm very very happy. Picture, with it. Will you take a picture of it and post it on the Countercharge Facebook page? So yeah, I absolutely. I, I'll awesome. do a little demonstration video. Oh, that would be great because I'm really interested in getting one of those uh, for sh- shaking paint. So thanks. Yeah, no, they're absolutely awesome. So you'll definitely definitely enjoy it. All right, so Mr. Hildrew, what are you out there painting? So I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of painted out at the minute, and it's it's a bit weird. So everyone's got seemed to have a, like a lot of hobby time, but um, and though I'm at home and in isolation, uh, I've got a very very active three year old. So my <laughs> my hobby time is pretty much as it was kind of pre isolation, just that I'm not traveling all the time. So I've got maybe a, a couple more evenings, but I kind of begrudgingly finished my last unit of rats to take to Adepticon and I was constructing this amazing flight case that I was really proud of. It's all kind of, um, it's in like a hand luggage size case and it's all maybe three and four cardboard and it's got, um, uh, metal sheets kind of glued to the cardboard inside. So you can magnet. So the whole army fit my whole rack in army, which is pretty big, uh, fitted inside this case all on the sides and the tops and kind of locked together. And then obviously uh, everything happened and we weren't going anymore. And I was kind of, obviously I was really bummed about that, but, uh, pushing out that last unit of rats for me was really hard i was like really sick of painting small miniatures i was like i don't want to do this anymore um so i've taken a break from painting minis but i've still got i'm still planning on running a tournament in september right so september is far enough away that I, and so i've still got to get a lot of that uh, terrain done for that so i think september is far enough off from now that hopefully the whole situation will have died down and we can still be active and even if not i'm still um i'm still really enjoying painting terrain so while my kind of my mojo has gone a little bit for for painting miniatures, um, I'm still very much on the terrain. Having said that, obviously we've got the Countercharge Painting Challenge, and I am a member of Countercharge until they throw me off. So I'm, I've I've um, I got this 3D printer. So I, I bought a 3D printer, which you might be able to hear chuntering on in the background um, at the moment. And it's it's like my new baby. I love it so much. And I've ta- I think I've talked about it before. So I've been 
printing. I printed a, I got a Kickstarter called uh, Wilds of Wintertide. It's actually really good. It's, it's hundreds of miniatures, loads and loads of terrain in it. And it was really, really cheap. But it, um, some of the miniatures in there were kind of cool. So I took a, a Frost White, which is like a 32 millimeter miniature, and I scaled it up in the kind of the slicer software. And I printed that out because it's not a resin printer. So I can't do that kind of amazing Nick Williams stuff where he prints out like the, the ogres or stuff for that because it doesn't, doesn't have the detail. But at kind of giant size, it does OK. So I, I scaled up this miniature and I printed it out and it came out OK. And so I, I, I did have uh, fun painting that uh, just for the, for the painting challenge. And that came out. It came out not bad. And I think um, it's big enough that I'm not kind of it's not like a unit of another 40 rats or whatever. So I, I'm, I, I enjoyed painting that. Um, but in the meantime, I've just been um, 3D printing loads and loads of trains. So I've got 11 mats so far, and I, I, I think I've, the tournament we maxed 24. So I've got this great big spreadsheet planning the terrain I've got and what I've been printing. So I printed a bunch of stuff. I printed um, printablescenery.com, who are just like the most excellent. Because some of the stuff I was printing from Thingiverse, my wife was looking at it going, this is just terrible. What, why are you bothering? And then I printed these elven houses from printablescenery.com, and they are insanely detailed they are just gorgeous um so i painted uh one of those up and I, I printed another one and then i got um the other one i've been kind of uh hanging around on is rm printable terrain so they've not got a massive range they've got they're kind of building up a little bit but like uh, this massive thatched cottage that was okay um and it painted up quite nicely and then i realized I didn't didn't actually have a board to put that on so that was a bit stupid and then they've just released a dwarven um range so it's quite cheap it's about i think 20 pounds for their entire dwarven range huge amounts of stuff it's called fallen cities of canaglim um and it's got like columns and like a throne and like a dwarven forge loads and loads and loads of dwarven themed terrain so i've been printing some stuff from that and i made um i got some some trees and i got a lava board so i wanted to do rather than just kind of putting weird like normal trees on a lava board didn't seem right so i kind of i got my my three-year-old to help me uh, do a kind of a lava effect on the trees so i kind of i based them in red and i did kind of a kind of a yellow vein down all of the tree trunks and then we we put black over kind of most of it so just that kind of lava looks and it looks really cool um so those those look really nice and then the last thing that i just i just seen so you know you guys have heard of the humble bundle right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so humble bundle so they just released loads of stuff but they've just released a 3d printing one from frog god games who i'd not heard of but it's ridiculous i think it's 12 pound 50 and it's it must be over a hundred models and it's all this kind of open lock system so there's like a whole hobgoblin city there's a whole normal village there's loads of little pieces there's like some some chinese style pillars some roman pillars a, a whole windmill that you can just print and it's got like working gears inside it ridiculous i haven't even started on that yet so that's what i've been kind of uh messing around with in, in isolation time is just messing with that I know a lot of people are printing like the uh, the um, what's it called the, the the protection stuff for hospitals and stuff, but I think my local hospitals aren't aren't uh, keen on that because they've got quite a strict rules about what they want and how they accept it and stuff. So I've been uh, the last thing I just printed was a, a bunch of uh, bamboo to uh, to be like uh, difficult um, obstacles on a on a Chinese themed board, and they came out really nicely. I printed them too. I had to scale them down because the bamboo was too tall, but they've they've come out really nice in there. So yeah, so that's what I've been doing pretty much is painting, painting terrain, lots of big brushes, no need for like tiny detail with my shaky hands. And I've been, uh, been enjoying it really, just a bit of a break. And I think um, painting miniatures and just not being good enough was kind of really getting me down for a while. And I've got to a standard where I know it's okay, but it's not, it's not where, 
where I'd like to be. So I just take a little bit of a break. I still got a a vague plan uh, to print to to build an army. Um, I'm working on Twilight King because, as Matt says, I suck with Rackin. So I've got a bunch. I bought um oh what are the missions called? So I got a bunch of uh, Rune Wars miniatures because Rune Wars is dead, but their minis are still around and their minis are really good. They're really good. They're all kind of push fit and they, they go together really, really nicely and they're really characterful. So I got a whole box of Rune Wars miniatures and I've just been looking at them thinking, do I paint them? Do I give them to my friend to paint them? Because I've got this uh, friend, Russell, who's an incredibly fast batch painter who just has really good high standards. So given that isolate, I was about to ship them over to him and then isolation hit and I'm like that. Yeah, if I run out of terrain, I might I might end up painting some of them. And uh, I got um, I've been struggling with a list, and I got Dan King to write me a list. Uh, he was drunk last night, and he wrote me a Twilight King list that actually works. So I, I might uh, might give that a spin. But yeah, that's where that's where I'm at at the minute. Just uh, kind of surviving with a three year old, doing the garden, doing a bit of work in between when I can. And uh, so yeah, Jeremy, how about you? Um, so I've been, uh, so I'm still working from home, so I've been very busy. I work in, uh, social services and with, uh, clients and people who need aid. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful to have a job and still be working, but my work always gets busiest. The more, uh, stuff hits the fan in society, the more busy I become. So I've been working from home, um, but we've been playing, Hillary and I have been playing a lot of board games. Um, we've been playing um, uh, Terraforming Mars. We've been playing uh, Lords of Waterdeep. We've been playing Castles of Burgundy. Um, we've been playing a card game that Rob and I played with Jeff Swan uh, a couple years ago at Adepticon called Lords of Draxia, which is very fun. Um so we've been doing a lot of board games. We've also been um, – uh, I got a, a section of the hobby tables set up for Hillary. She started painting. She is working on – speaking of Rune Wars, she's working on one of the um, – I forget what they're called. It was like a really weird name, but it's like a tree shambler uh, model that she's been painting. I got her for Valentine's Day as like a, you know, getting your girlfriend the bowling ball that has your name on it. And so from that Simpsons episode, so so, romantic. you know what I mean? So if she doesn't use it, you can use it. And it's like, why is your name on it? And it's like, so every time you bowl, you'll remember who gave it to you. So I got her like this huge paint set and uh, for Valentine's Day. And she was kind of like, oh, this is nice. But then next thing I know, she's like taking over my hobby desk and painting all the time because she's on leave for a couple of weeks. So we got her a section. We sort of, I have a big long table from Ikea. So we just split it in half. So her paints and her stuff is on one half and then I'm on the other half. So um, we're going to be uh, working on getting that filled out. I'm going to get some more. I have some six tiered painting racks from um, MDF from Ironheart Artisans. So I'm just going to get a couple more of those so they'll match what I already have and it will spread out all her all our paints. So we've been doing that. And then we've also did, um, uh, you know, thankfully, we both work for government. So for us, the stimulus money coming in is not needed for uh, rent our bills per se. So we wanted to put that money back into our local communities. So heretic games and Sam Bruno, which is our main game store that we do most of the Kings of war action from they're doing curbside pickup during the crisis. So I went and I bought like a bunch of stuff. I got terraforming Mars. Like I said, I got ticket to ride. I got Gloomhaven, which is like 
I got my workout just carrying that box from the store to my car. And the new version of that's on Kickstarter now. Yeah, yeah. Crosshaven. So I got Gloomhaven, the expansion. I got Heroes of Blackreach, which is like the, the chip-based Warhammer 40k strategy game. I got all the contrast paints, so I got a full set of contrast because I was wanted to start experimenting with those. I got Star Trek Settlers of Catan because we both love Star Trek, so I haven't haven't played that yet. So, I mean, that was sort of my idea in that, you know, I could have you we could use the stimulus money to pay off some debt or whatever. But I think like I feel like it's my duty and I love games and I want them anyway to try to like support my local business. So um, we've been using some of that money sort of ahead of time to, to buy some games and stuff like that. So um, uh, what I've been painting is I finished up my sisterhood infantry on foot. Really happy with how it came out. It was a test model slash. I individually based it so I could use it in Vanguard or I could use it as a battle wizard. Uh, usually I always want, oh, sorry, a war wizard. Usually I always run a war wizard with the boomstick and she's got like a big sword. So I imagine like the sword is like her boomstick and she like just throws lightning bolts at you. Um, so and then now I've started working on a sisterhood scout on foot, which is the same thing. It's a test model slash will be individually based for Vanguard. And then I've also started painting a Sisters Adeptus Soriatus, excuse me, Imagifier, which is like their standard bearer, uh, which has been a really fun. A bunch of my friends that I sort of berate them into playing Kings with me, they do 40K stuff. So it's like it's uh, I got to pay back. So I'm working on a kill team for 40K with Sisters. So um, it's been really fun. I'm sort of returning. I haven't I used to have a purple Space Marine chapter. So the cloth on my sisters is purple. So I'm kind of returning to those roots. I love painting purple. Um, the armor, I'm doing white armor, and I'm using um, apothecary white as like my base coat and initial wash. And then I'm going back in with different shades of white and highlighting up. And that apothecary white contrast paint is absolutely amazing. Um, seems like with the contrast, some colors and some paints are really good, and some are kind of wonkadoodle. But this apothecary white for white armor, just fantastic can't speak highly enough on it um i also did rob you saw we were talking i know we're both big fans of table war um so i had a table war display carry case and i had gotten the pre-cut metal sheets from shogun miniature so that like my magnetized army would fit in the display case um so i ordered some five minute epoxy from amazon so i epoxied down those metal sheets so now, and I'm putting also magnets in my individually based stuff too. So now that case will work really well for around the town, uh, non-flying um, for any of my miniatures. And then my toolbox can be just for my, when I have to fly. So I've been doing that. Um, yeah. So, uh, and then finally trying to get some UB games in. UB has been really popping and there's that big UB tournament coming up. So I played Ryan Munsell the other night. Um, he's bringing back his salamanders and Lord on a fire Drake with a brew of sharpness is very good as he killed half my army with it. So I'm trying out some different, various different night, uh, Northern Alliance builds. So I'm kind of leaning towards the Northern Alliance or goblins maybe for my next army because I want to do something that's, you know, mostly mantic. Um, yeah, so lots of good stuff. What about you, Rob? What have you been up to? Obviously just like you guys, isolation, I am working from home which means I'm on uh, conference calls and, you know, I can't really paint because I don't have, you know, I really can't put that kind of attention in, but I can sure as heck build models. Uh, and so I am still working on the Hippogriff Knight, uh, which is the Atlantis Miniatures Hippogriff with a Westphalia Winged Hussar on it back. I got the knight done 
I'm working on the hippogriff. Uh, it's going to take me a while. It took me a long time to get the bottom half of the wing done. So uh, it's probably going to take me a couple weeks to get to get the wings done. Uh, and then I'll switch over to the head and to the body. But I mean, I think by the end of April, I'll, I'll have this thing all done. Those on, on Facebook may have seen, I did pick up the GCPS starter and I assembled it and I started painting it. So I typically prime like three or four models or a model and then I paint it and I prime three or four models. Well, I thought, oh, I got all these models. I'm just going to put them on a box and I'm, I'm going to prime it. I'm going to go old school. And like I get it inside and I'm all excited. I'm sitting down to paint and I pick it up. And two things I notice: One is I didn't clean any of the mold lines. So I'm like, no. Yeah. And then the second thing is like, there's like a, like almost like a, a, a rough finish, like where maybe I was too far away with the, with the spray can. And so it was dry when it hit the model and it kind of makes a it, frosting effect. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like gritty. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. yeah. I've been there. So I'm OCD and I was like, I'm like, well, you know, I, maybe if I just put layers of paint on it, it'll cover. So I, I spent a couple hours last night just trying to get it. And I was like, this morning, I just said, you know what? It's not going to work. It's just time to put these guys in a bath and uh, start over. So putting those models together is a lot of fun. Um, th- that It's a hard plastic kit uh, with some metal bits to add on for like heavy weapons and stuff. And it's really cool. I ordered the booster for that as well. So And I'm under the tutelage of a couple Dead Zone Kings. So uh, thanks to those guys, they've, they've been really helpful in uh, explaining to me the ins and outs of list construction. Um, Star Wars Legion is still big in our area. I don't know about you guys, but we've got a big scare-off campaign set for May. Armada, X-Wing, and Legion all in one day. I've been buying a bunch of terrain and getting a bunch of stuff painted up. Um, and so we're getting, basically, there's going to be like a four or five tables lengthwise is going to be like one of those big, you know, on Scare-off, you got the big tower. Well, basically that where you got the uh, the monorail that goes from the, the landing pad all the way to the tower. That's basically gonna be what we're going to play on. We're going to have like four or five tables lengthwise. Uh, and so I've been assembling a ton of models for that. Um, and if you haven't checked them out, ch- check out the bigger kits. Like they have the Imperial Bunker now and the, uh, the Escape Pod. Pretty awesome. And then for whatever reason, maybe it's that stimulus money that's coming my way. I figured, ah, I need some new stuff. So... I don't know if you guys ever checked out Brother Vinny, but they're a Russian company that makes alternative models, and they happen to make some Star Wars Legion models, and so I got me a classic Leia to go with my unit of fleet troopers, so I'm excited about that. And then let's talk about NashCon, TNT. Jeremy, I know you're going to be there, right? 100% going to be there uh, as long as everything has calmed down, and hopefully by then it should be good, and I know that... um uh, I was going to take Hillary and I know Jeff was maybe thinking of coming and taking his wife and, and, and kind of hanging out in Nashville for a, a couple of days. So that might be, you know, honestly, Rob, that might be the first big tournament that we have once all this stuff is over. So NashCon, because of where it's set at the end of August, people are starting to slide that into that saying, hey, you know, we have this other event. Can we move it to NashCon? And it's becoming this big thing. It's always a big thing. There's 400 players, but it, it's becoming a bigger thing. And one of the things we decided to do was, uh, for those that have been to Adepticon, Blake and Kyle from Michigan run this big big game at Adepticon where it's like you know, 12 to 16 players, 50,000 points on the table, and it's a participation game. Just to show people how fun Kings of War is and how easy it is to learn, you just show up and you play. Well, I uh, didn't have to twist their arm very hard, but they are coming down with all their models, and uh, we're going to have a couple of those sessions. Uh, the, uh, the one condition is I've got to build the table, so it's going to be 6 feet wide by 16 feet long. Uh, and I'm going to do like a modular board that way, obviously storage would be an issue. And since we were going to go ahead and have these big, large battles, I figured we're going to have all these armies here. Why not do a siege battle? So 
I'm in the process of equipping, uh, see, I'm arming myself up. Siege towers and ladders and battling rams and all kinds of great stuff. And uh, watch this space. We'll have more details on that. Just like your store, Heretic Games. Is it Heretic Games? Yeah, Heretic Games. Uh-huh. So War Room Hobbies here in town has been, man, they have been blowing out the deals and it has been super difficult to, to stop buying stuff. So obviously I mentioned a bunch of Star Wars Legion I got. Dead Zone I bought. I bought The Walking Dead starter. 50% off. I mean, 25 bucks. How can you beat that? Uh, and I got a bunch of Vanguard starters. I got some magic decks because that turns out that's what my daughter's into now. It's been it's been awesome just buying stuff that I have no idea when I'm actually going to get it built or painted. And you said you were going to get Draxia because I bet you she would love... Because my I tried to teach my girlfriend magic and it was like just a little too much for her, but she loves uh, Draxia. My store doesn't have it, so I'll have to see. I'm sure it's available online at like Amazon. Uh, a couple other things. Um, Paint All the Minis podcast. Great show. I'm sure most of you guys are already listening. They actually have an online convention that's happening next weekend, April 11th through 13th, uh, 2020. Just do a search for Paint All the Minis. Find their website. They'll explain it. But it's really cool. They're trying an online convention to kind of help fill the void of the loss of Salute and Adepticon and and all of their things that are falling by the wayside every week that this this crisis goes on. So uh, give them some support. Finally, uh, Billy came up with a really great idea from our Northern Alliance Army. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil it, but oh geez, yeah, it's a good one. I've been working on him for about a year, and I think I've almost got him, almost, almost. I'm pretty excited about that one. Well, we're, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it in our wraps. That's me in a nutshell. Uh, lots of hobby stuff, too much to really even capture it all. The one thing you you said that resonated with me, Rob, that is the same thing is get out there, support your local game store during this crisis. Spending a lot more money than I normally would, like. I don't know. I don't know what I normally spend, but I feel like I'm spending more. And it's, it's sort of like, hey, he's doing what he needs to do to incentivize me to, to go out and spend the money. And he's doing that by, you know, obviously steeper discounts, interesting product selection, that kind of thing. And so, you know, keep those guys around because this is hard on them. They don't get their foot traffic they normally get, right? And they need they need all your dollars to get through this. And and it's not just your friendly local gaming stores. Think about the the you know, the different companies that make the games you like. They still have bills. So let's do our part to keep spending, you know, at the very least keep spending the same amount of the same level that we were. If if you can, right? If you can't, I get it. For some people it is, you know, lots of layoffs and it's it's rough. And I understand that. Yeah, I think for those with the means, like we've talked about it in our local group about like just, you know, buying gift cards or adding to the store account as you would normally spend every week. Just And so when you, even if you don't want to do the curbside pickup, which a lot of stores are offering now or shipping, you can, when you can go back, you'll have a little bit of a, you know, a shopping spree available to yourself because you've been like kind of putting money away and you're like gaming piggy bank to help the store during this time. Yeah, the gift card thing is great, right? You don't even have to leave your house. So you can just call them up, buy a gift card, and you just have, like you said, you're just putting it like a little little hobby bank. Yeah. Yeah, like the store by me, they do like a point system. Uh, so I bought all my games. I had a 25% discount. And then in buying that those games, it gave me another 25% discount for my next purchase, which will be my next uh, Kings of War Army once I figure out what to get. So, you know, I think a lot of stores are trying to work work with people. And like you said, Rob, obviously, if you've lost your job or you've had other crises, you know, you got to take care of yourself and and do those things. But if you do have the ability to help your local business, um, let us know, you know, or let, you know, try to do that. But um, and in the end, you know, I mean, um, I mean, if this keeps going and going, it may, it may come to a point where, um 
you know, the show, maybe we'll try to do some raffles or raise some money for, for people who have been out of work or, you know, there might be some long-term stuff that we all have to come together to support each other in the hobby, to keep our hobby alive and growing. So, um, just remember that we're all like one big community and that if we want to keep playing games, we need people to play them. So we need to help try to navigate this crisis, keeping our community alive and our, uh, you know, bonds of fellowship with each other alive. So just, you know, keep that in the back of your head. Or if you're ever just stressed and you just want it, you need someone to talk to or whatever, you can always come on After Dark and, and chit chat about what's going on in your life. There's a lot of smart professional people who go to After Dark who always like, we have, you know, doctors, lawyers, all, all sorts of people who are always good for advice giving. So, or if you just need someone to talk to, I know being at home can be stressful. I mean, even when you're thankfully have a job and you're working and maybe aren't in financial crisis, just this situation causes stress on you. I know I've been feeling it a lot the last couple of weeks of just feeling down and low and stuff like that. So just remember we're all, we're all here for each other. Yeah. And obviously it's taking a toll on Ronnie. He went and got a haircut. Just moved down to his mustache. Yeah. What? Unfortunately, the mustache, mustache on his about? face though. Oh my, oh, God. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Ronnie, if you're listening, I'm buying you a razor for Christmas. That's for sure. I'm buying you a mustache grooming kit. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> Get some uh, mustache wax. Twist those tips. Well, just kind of tack in at the end of what you guys, you and Jeremy are talking about, like our local store, Black Knight Games, in here in Hamilton. They've kind of they've kept up with uh, curbside pickup and stuff, and we've kind of made a little, you know, Black Knight in Exile Facebook group, which to a slightly smaller uh, scale to the counter charge hobby challenge, just like people posting their updates and what they're working on and having little, you know, challenges and prizes. So to keep the the whole community together and engaged. So that's been good. And it's not just Kings of War people or Warhammer people. It's like every, the, you know, people are posting their magic decks and, you know, all sorts of stuff and just keeping the community engaged, which I think is really important. Um, and along those lines, I've been playing a lot of Universal Battle and a bunch of our local guys have taken up you know, taking this time as a, a, you know, incentive to learn it. So I think we've kept up our Friday night gaming and people are getting more involved during the week with their spare time. So like universal battle has been, uh, use has, incre- has been increased. I know like online, like there's always like a ton of games now going on at every hour of the day. And I think in, when we come out of this, that might actually be a really good thing because a lot of people are getting a lot more games than they would normally. So I think the community, especially at a gameplay level, might actually level up a little bit, which is going to be neat to see. Chris Fisher and Dan Miner ran a little Universal Battle tournament last month, which I was testing out my uh, undead ideas, and I did relatively well, which was nice. And then Adam Padley has his giant call to arms tournament coming up very soon i think it's like over 116 players are signed up so that's a pretty good sign for the community hobby wise uh i assembled a lot of stuff for my new armies following masters but i haven't had a chance to paint much i just haven't really had the the drive so i've been kind of focusing my hobby energy on organizing the hobby room and like one of my friends lent me an airbrush so i'm trying to i'm setting up an area in my basement so i could do some airbrushing to get all the stuff that's been assembled primed so that it's ready to go when i can paint so like right now priming's a bit of a, a bit annoying so i haven't 
I don't have anything ready to go just to paint when I have half an hour, which is what I usually do. I just prime a whole bunch of stuff all at once so that when I have a little bit of time, I can just get a little bit of painting in. So I've taken this, you know, quarantine time to we're working on the house and like reorganizing a whole bunch of it. So I'm taking some of that time to carve out some hobby uh, organization into the into my basement into the office just to get things streamlined so I can better use my time. Uh, still working on some terrain for a King Beyond the Wall coming up in July. Hopefully, you know that's pretty much up in the air at this point. Uh, it's, it's tough to say whether there will be the situation will be amenable to a large scale tournament and convention at this point. But we've got to keep working on it just you know, plan for the best or worst, and we'll have a whole bunch of more new terrain for next year, which ties into something Steve mentioned earlier about the RM printable terrain that he was uh, painting up and printing. That, he's a local guy, so he's going to be helping us with terrain for King Beyond the Wall, and we might be able to get a chance to get him on an episode coming up for, you know, just talking about printable terrain and just terrain and gaming in general. So I think he's pretty keen to talk about that. And he's Mark, uh, he's a great guy and really, really supportive of all the gaming communities in our area. Oh, I'd love to be on the episode. I really, his dwarf stuff is really, really, really good. I can't wait to see what more stuff he's got up his sleeve. Yeah, it's awesome. His, and he keeps improving. He's very, uh, he listens to like feedback very well. And he's really interested in making it, uh, not just look good, but very user friendly on the tabletop. So it's like, you know, he's like, you know, making sure he's like the trees are removable, but then the divots in the bases are deep enough to hold them securely, but not so deep that they, you know, they they detract from the the aesthetics. And he's his attention to detail is great, and I think his work is awesome. So I think I'd be very happy to like talk about that with him, and you know, get you and Rob and some of the other guys just like talking about gaming train overall because i think with this extra time that some of us have we i think a lot of people will be able to put some time into things beyond just painting armies they're going to start painting more terrain setting things up working on multi-basing working on uh, display boards i think terrain might actually be a growth area in the hobby during this time but that's about what i'm at like i i think you know going through masters on postmasters i burnt myself out a little bit on hobbies. So I think this has been like a nice little breather for me to like regroup, reorganize, and that so I can uh, really get through this uh, new army. We're watching a lot of Juan Hidalgo videos on YouTube. I want to up my painting. So I've just been kind of like gathering information and reorganizing for like the new projects. Awesome. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break, and on the other side, we'll get to our main topic, uh, Toys in Armies. You're listening to Countercharge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Main Topic. Welcome back to Countercharge. And a topic that's surfaced uh, mostly on Fanatics, but elsewhere over the last couple weeks, brought a lot of this discussion to the forefront is about, you know, toy armies, whether they're good or bad for the hobby. And, you know, I, and Steve, I think it was Andrew Spaeth. Was that, the, was that the one that kind of got this whole thing rolling when he posted his minion army? Right. So there was a lot of chat about Andrew Spaeth's uh, minion army, right? So he's, a, I think he's a store owner uh, in the U.S. somewhere. 
um, that he created a, a minion army out of toys, right? And he didn't paint the toys. They are literally like McDonald's Happy Meal toys that he's bought and grouped into units. He's put them onto really relatively simple bases. And he kind of posted up saying, this is just a fun army. Uh, you know, it's not for tournaments. It's just for fun. Da, 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 da. And there was a variety of reactions, right? And then I <laughs> made the uh, dubious mistake of putting it into my, my, my weekly community update, right? Because the community update, the point of the community update is just for me. It's just something I do for fun, really. I like to poke fun at people. That, that's what I like to do. I definitely don't want to upset people. And I... <laughs> I, I, I may have upset a few people by uh, mocking their slightly over-serious hobby fanaticism by saying that this was not acceptable. Because a lot of people said that this was just too much. It's not for them. It looks like crap. They don't like it, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of, my point of view was that I thought it was fun. It was it was kind of fun. It was just a silly army. He made a point of saying that it's not a serious hobby army. And it kind of really split the community. A lot of people said they, they liked it. And he put a lot of work into it, to be fair. You know, he, not a lot of hobby work, but certainly a lot of money and a lot of work in, in purchasing his army. And so I kind of made a little bit of fun and I got some some negative reactions, so we say. And then somebody else posted up uh, the Lego army that his son has made, an eight-year-old had made. And this sparked off a bit of discussion with us in the countercharge, our little countercharge um, group about, you know, do, do we think this is good? Do we think this is worth doing? What's the point of creating just a toy army? And as a slight counter note, I showed my wife the minion army and she said, oh, can I have a SpongeBob one? And I was like, oh my God, would this get my wife playing a game with me? Because for me, and you guys, and we talked a little bit and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a bit, but it's really the people that you hang out with, isn't it really? If you're with a bunch of really serious hobby guys and you're, you're all really deeply into the hobby, then I can imagine this would be quite, divisive me i'm i'm more about playing the game i don't mind doing hobby and i've done you know a, a, a load of it but actually i like playing games and i really love playing games with my family and i can't get any of the buggers to play me at kings of war um especially not my well my son played me a little bit but then he's hit full teenager recently full teenager which means he's like no oh do you want to do this no oh nothing right 13 so if there was something that could get a member of my family to play kings of war with me i'm like i don't care I don't care if it's beautifully painted. I, you can play with cardboard bases with things written on it as long as you play with me. And that's kind of where I came from. And so, uh, Rob, why don't you talk, talk about kind of where you were coming from, from the hobby point of view? I mean, I'll just chime in on what you said. I, I don't have a problem with toy armies. I think that they're they're a good way for somebody to get into the game, right? Because, you know, uh, I was listening to Way to Fire that made the comment, you know, one of the burdens of Kings of War is that you need so many darn models. And I get that. And I think, you know, things that like this toy army or even like the Lego army that the gentleman posted that his eight-year-old built, that's a great way to get them to play the game. But the way I see it, though, is that's not the destination. You know, I, I see that as that's the first step. So the first step is to get you to play the game. But if you really want to continue on in the community and, and make it a thing. And, and this is kind of what I've been wondering is, you know, how, what is the next step and how do we encourage the next step? In, in my mind, I think the next step is, you know, maybe you buy a, a unit and you just start dabbling with painting. I, I can only speak from my own experience, but you know, from, from growing the scene here locally in Memphis, the players that are really only into the gaming and they don't really care about the hobby or the background, they don't stick around. They, they, they play Kings War a little bit. They, they, tack some models on bases and that's totally fine. It's good for the store. It's good for Mantic. They're selling models. But the reality is that from the, from the growth of the game or the growth of the scene, they're not actually sticking around. What I found is if I want the person to actually be part of our community and really um, make Kings of War part of their gaming diet, I found that 
know, really focusing on the hobby and the background, adding that to the gaming aspects of Kings of War uh, makes that percentage that they'll stick around go up substantially. And, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, Jeremy, but, you know, young players getting into the game are the lifeblood of any community, especially this community, Kings of War, and we need to figure out ways to get people to stick around. Yeah, you know, like what you said is really true, Rob, and that, you know, when you go to an when you go to a tournament or an event, what's like the average age of people at that event? Like what, 25 to 45 if you were going to pick like a bracket? And unfortunately, I haven't found the secret to immortality yet. We will get older. And eventually, maybe we will, you know, no longer be able to play. So if we want this hobby to exist, you know, beyond us, or even as we, you know, get into retirement, want to have people play, we got to get new people into the game. So I'm of, of the mind uh, of you in that I think Lego armies or toy armies or non-conventional armies, if that's what someone needs to put together to like get into the game to start playing, that's great. Um, I think a lot of people are drawn to the hobby from different ways, either from the fun of the game or from the models. I know for me, I was drawn into the hobby from how awesome the models looked. Um, so I think toys, uh, a, a full toy army, you know, uh, having one unit that's been a toy that's been repainted or reconstituted re, uh, can be really cool in any army. But if you're doing just sort of the, the full the full Monty of the toys or whatever, if, if that's going to help you get into the game, I'm all for it. I think then what step two then is for us who are community members or who are lovers of the hobby is then to try to encourage in those new players how uh, awesome uh, models can be to be put together, how fun it is to paint, how great it is to just be creative and do art is such a great release so i think what we can do is taking a little bit from you know billy's cult of positivity attitude which is when when the uh people the kids adults or whatever as they start to transition from the toy army we as a community can't shun them or can't like we got to be positive and be like oh man it's so great to see you you know painting models or oh instead of oh finally you got rid of that stupid toy army you know we need to encourage and be supportive of people as they enter the miniature hobby because really when it comes down to it it's an awesome game but miniatures and selling the miniatures and painting the miniatures that's really like the core of the hobby i mean if there was no miniature sales, I don't think we would have. We'd have miniature board games. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's it's let's be inclusive, let's be supportive, but we should always trying to be help guiding people into finding finding the hobby and finding ways to to support it. I know, Steve, you said you, hobby is sort of a chore, but once you have your full army painted and out on the table, don't you? Do you still feel like a sense of accomplishment and like pride and happiness in seeing your army completely done? If I never actually completely done an army, yes, absolutely. But there's always a little bit more, isn't there? And that's sort of the. And but I, I think true. what you've made, is, uh, I definitely do. And um, you know, I, you know, and you guys know, I put a lot of effort into my hobby. I put a huge amount of effort into like my Rakin army and into my undead army. And with my undead army, I really tried hard to make it as beautiful as I could. You know, I took it was a, somebody else's army that I bought. Um, which doesn't perhaps buy into the we should be supporting miniature manufacturers, but I did end up buying a bunch of miniatures. You know, I put a load of effort into making that as beautiful as possible. So it's not that I'm anti-hobby at all. I am absolutely not. And if you look at some of the stuff that people do with like 3D printing extra parts and modifying models and customizing them, wow, it's amazing and I love it. However, it really riles me when people have a go at someone who has clearly said, this is just a bit of fun. 
It really bothers me because he put a lot of effort into that. But but to be fair, I, I do wonder like, and I'm not I'm not pointing at any specific thread, but I do wonder like, what's the intent of posting up a toy army? Are you asking for hobby feedback? Obviously not, right? Obviously not. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know what's the discussion that they want to engage in because, I mean, if they're just looking for, is it okay? It's okay. It's your game. You play it however you want. I, I What I'm saying is I, I have noticed that some of these almost are trollish in the way they're... Yeah, it's a bit of a I wine. Think, yeah, of course it's a bit of a... But I think also he he's quite proud of what he did. If you're talking about Andrew specifically. And, you know, the Lego one is kind of... It's just saying, this is fun, isn't it? Yeah. And we're sharing stuff that we find is fun. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And to get, I, I guess he, you know, he's a he's a mature guy who expected some negative feedback because we've seen it before. But you know, the it's a perennial argument, isn't it, about toy armies? And you take somebody like, you know, let, let's pick on Kyle Kyle Poole, who with his dinosaur army, right, which is nearly entirely composed of toy dinosaurs. But he puts hobby into those, and and we're kind of cool with that. I just think there's nothing wrong with it if you take a toy and you make it cool. That's hobby. That's fine. If you're just saying, hey, look at this. It's fun. I've done this. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I really, I don't like people. I, I don't like negativity in general. I'm kind of a, a positive guy. And I think that's ironic, given that I like to poke fun at people on the week on the weekly update. But that's just poking fun, you know, and I think that's okay. And people make fun of me all the time. And I'm cool with that, too. You know, I don't mind people poking fun. Just don't get upset because it's not worth getting upset about toys, right? We're, we're pushing toy soldiers around, whether they're beautifully painted you know, miniatures that we've purchased or whether they're minions. I, I remember we had Joe McLaren. Uh, he was on like maybe two or three years ago. And he like literally was going just whatever shop he could find to buy things that he could turn into a dwarf army. And he put a lot of effort into it, right? I think that was part of the challenge for him was finding that unique piece, you know, as he's looking at it, go, oh, this would make a great ogre gun. No, I'll, I'll probably sit more towards... Uh, Steve than anything else in terms of I'm personally happy to play anything and I think I think we seem to have a bit of a problem with getting people into the game in the first place actually and um, I kind of believe that anything that gets them in I'm I'm happy to play against my probably where I do end up with a problem with it is and this is probably somewhat true of the minion army and to be honest I didn't I didn't look closely at it because to me you know we've seen it before but is what I most want from the game is to be able to tell what everything is on the other side of the board. So um, <clears throat> we had a guy locally who did a Pokemon army. I was quite fine with. He brought it to one tournament, but it did cause a lot of division. And I, I think that's part of the problem is that any division in the in the hobby, you know, you're losing people either way when you've got that division. Um, and, you know, he decided not to to bring it well we had a chat to him and he doesn't bring it to tournaments really anymore but one of the good things is is he did put hobby in so he he did the bases and there were little name tags so i knew exactly what everything is was across the board i think it can get really confusing with some of these toy armies particularly something like minions where you know everything is fairly similar uh across the board from you but you know i just i just want people to play the game and i it doesn't offend me at all. I, I do wonder, though, sometimes like you, Rob, I think some people, and not necessarily Andrew, um, but there are definitely posts sometimes that are just trying to wind people up on fanatics, right? There, there. Well, you, you're guaranteed to get bites, right? And, <laughs> and, and I just, think there's two sides, right? There's the people who like to ra- wind people up, and then I think, unfortunately, a, 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 a sort of uh, 
side effect of social media or whatever. There's people who, you know, hang out in miniature wargaming threads whose hobby is not miniature wargaming, but their hobby is to be outraged. They're professionally outraged people. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's they're, the they're thing. Be wound up. <laughs> exactly. That's what they love is they love just getting pissed and talking to you about how <laughs> you did made them get pissed. How you're wrong. I just want to yeah, point exactly. out how you're wrong today. And uh, it's absolutely. like that's their hobby. They don't even paint miniatures or play games. Their hobby is to get pissed. Yeah, no, and it wouldn't just be on that. That person would do it, not just on Fanatics, right? It'd be on every yeah. single <laughs> Facebook group that they're on. It's one of the exactly. it's one of the perils of social media these days. It seems like uh there's no such thing as, uh, well, sorry, everyone's opinions is believed to be fact by the person, you know, whereas we've got to remember, you know, opinions are just opinions and it doesn't mean that yours is right. You know, it, it's, um, you know, it's much broader than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that see, point. I played, I think Alex, I, I think Matt brings up a good point, which is that I want to know what I'm fighting. And I played against Rick Hoy at Alamo, and he had a Berenger Lego army, but it was like really thoughtfully put together to where the units had the correct weapons, the correct size, you know, everything was actually pretty well done. And, you know, obviously it didn't win any any hobby awards or anything like that. I had I had no problem playing against that army in that tournament because I knew exactly what everything was. You know, had I talked with that person, I would have tried to help, you know, support if it was whatever, uh, get someone excited about painting models. But that in particular of knowing exactly what everything was and that the fact that it's another body at a tournament and we do need bodies getting into the game. Again, it's like uh, bringing down the barrier to entry, but also in what you're bringing, you know, having some sort of threshold of does it make sense, I guess, for me. Yeah, I'm always like the three rules for basing are is the is it full? Is it look cool? And do I know what it is? And it's like, is it cool thing? That's very subjective. And that's kind of what we're all getting at. It's like, what's cool is gonna be different to everybody. But it's like, does it make sense? That's the important gameplay aspect. And just in general, like with a complex hobby like this, there are a lot of barriers to entry. So anyway, the community as a whole can like lower those barriers so like the complexity of the game the hobby aspect you know getting together socially all those things the way the more we can make that easier the better so it's like if you are going to use toys i think it's like always a good idea to like use toys that seem to make sense and aren't you know you know homogeneous across the whole list like because that can cause some confusion and frustration which would make make it worse but if it's just for fun that's just for fun and like you have to make sure that both sides of the table are on board with what that fun is. Well, I think it's important too, to note that, you know, in your house, when you're playing with your son or your wife, it's your hobby, do whatever you want. I think what we're really talking about is if you're going out and you're playing in a store, you're playing at a tournament, that's, that's where I think there's a little bit of a difference, right? Where you need to be thoughtful of the people you're playing against. One of the comments in in the thread, I think it was from Matt James said that uh, somebody, uh, UK Masters a couple of years ago bought a toy army and it was actually toys. And I can't remember if it was the My Little Pony army or something else, but um, they bought a second army with them to say, if you don't want to play against this, it's cool. I've got another army to play. I kind of think if you've got a toy army that's clearly toys, it's tournaments is not the place for it. Like like Rob says, in your house is the, or you know in a, a friendly throwdown is the place for it. If you're coming to a tournament, a proper wargaming tournament, you should bring a proper wargaming army. And I, I would say that... Um, so that, yeah. that's yeah, I think, kind of where I get that, that would draw the line, right? 
Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem with some of the outrage regarding this particular army ride. Is like you said, Steve, it was quite clear that it's that it's an army for home. Um, but I think Alex also brings up a really good point about the concept of fun and fun is so subjective i mean realistically when you're talking about fun you're not talking about a different argument to the whole five war machines argument you know some people are quite happy to play that i personally would find it a challenge and be totally okay but for some people it ruins their experience i mean essentially it's the same argument with a you know with a different jacket on i think that that fun aspect is completely subjective and that comes back to like this the the thing when we talk about the social contract and the having the discussion with your opponents. And I think this is a good idea to have that talk with with, with who who's in your play group and be like, hey, this is pretty fun. Do you guys mind if I use this army? Or just you know have those open dialogues with who you're playing or where you're playing at. Um, can kind of try to make those like more acceptable things to do. But I don't know. What, what about you, Mark? What do you think? Building a toy arm, you might make me get one on the table. Uh... Well, obviously, you need to know what units are what on the army. I remember when Domus had that um, army with the minions, and he brought it to play Warhammer. I almost bought that army, but I looked at it, and it's like, you know, I can't tell what all this is. I think it was a Skaven army, wasn't it, Rob? It was uh, actually, I think it was used in a team event, so it was Skaven and something oh, else. God. And they're all minions. And it was like, uh, they're all minions. So to their credit, they had little cards for each unit. But when you're standing across the table, it doesn't help me. I, I, I'm a visual learner, and I, and I want to be able to look across and say, oh, that's cavalry, obviously. That is Huskarls. That's Thunderwolves, whatever. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, like now, I did Aaron Chapman do the My Little Pony Army? He did. He did. And and I will say, in his to his credit, he spent time on the pacing. Well, I thought that army was awesome because it really got my daughter excited, you know, and so they kind of have that. But have you guys ever played an army that was just random toys thrown on bases? Or is it somebody expressing their creativity and thinking that they did something cool? You know, but has anybody seen an army where it's just literally a random assortment of toys tossed on bases? I played at a tournament once. Where he had, I mean, they were toy soldiers, but what he had done is he had put them on a base and then just sprayed the soldier and the whole base a flat primary color. So it would be like a bunch of guys with swords and shields and they were spraying it yellow and then the yellow unit would be something. And then he had another one that was, was sprayed red and they were sprayed red and then they would they would be another thing. And... I mean, again, like I said, it, it was okay. You could kind of understand. The only frustration I had is that, you know, some of them didn't would only have a few models or they weren't they, – the bases were cut from cardboard, so they weren't exactly the correct base size. So, again, it comes down to me is that there, there are those little things to make it more playable in the game, meaning correct footprint and knowing what it is. That, to me, I guess if I have a threshold – but and even that's my threshold at a tournament. Like when you're at home, one of the first games that I played I think I was 12 or 13 we played a 15,000 point aside giant Warhammer fantasy battle and I was playing Bretonia and I had 400 Bretonian peasants with bows and I had cut little pieces of paper to represent like my giant unit of Bretonian uh, peasant bowmen and to me that's one of my most favorite cherished Warhammer memories from a little kid 
So yeah. I don't want to take that memory away from other kids, you know what I mean, of doing these unconventional stuff. It, to me, it's more about that's your starting point. How, as a community, do we help you and support your growth so that we make this not just something you did as a kid, but we make this part of a lifelong adventure? The growth potential is like how many of us like used VHS tapes in Army Men and, you know, various things like on the floor to like make you know, none of us had six by four foot tables when we were 12. So you're just like, you do what you could to play the game. But it's, there's growth to that. Like you have to have, you keep going. You you know, eventually you, are, you have enough miniatures to not, you have to use little Lego guys or army men, or you, you know, you start carving hills out of foam and flocking them and making trees. It's like, it's that, the growth potential of the hobby. And it's about fostering that within the community and for everyone. You know, what are the tips to get them to say, okay, what's what's the next step look like and how do we encourage that? My daughter's first 40K army, Rob, was uh, my little kitty orcs. So back on 40K radio with the free Buddhas, uh, we made and she used craft paints and some old orcs that I found. And they were pink, purple, and the skin on the orcs were white. And we actually ordered from England uh, the nail stickers for... Um, uh, my little kitty, and we put those on the chest plates of the orcs. And well, I still have some of those models laying around, but that was it. And then after that, she built her very next army, and she kept going as you know she was going along playing 40k. And uh, then she built a tiger army, and actually the uh, sergeant for that had Tony the Tiger banner that I made for her. And so, the, and she brought that to Adepticon actually. So, and then of course, then she built a Bretonian army, and then. You know, that's how she got her nickname, Bretonian Girl, and she just kept evolving. But, you know, when you're younger, you play with the, you know, you got to catch their interest. Like, she thought that My Little Pony Army was super cool, and that kind of inspired her. So it works a lot with kids. I know for me, like with Aubrey, it was just about finding what she was interested in. So um, when, she, when she got into it, you know, she would just use My Armies and we would play. Um, but down the road, you know, she does like My Little Pony. And so... I found My Little Pony miniatures, like not pre-painted toys, but like Impact Miniatures makes, and I think even WizKids now make pre-primed guy, uh, ponies. Because, I mean, for her, I would say the hobby was, I mean, the, ho the hobby was more important than the actual game. And so for me, it was just finding stuff that she enjoyed painting. I think just being inclusive, like we were talking about, like letting them use what they want to use initially, like what they feel comfortable with, if they can make an army of toys or whatever, to be a part of the community and play against armies that are multi-based that have cool models that are painted and all that stuff. I think just being surrounded by that will like inspire them to eventually, Oh, they'll figure out what they like or what inspires them. And they will want to, you know, try that themselves. And then just like keeping them inside the loop or in the loop or in the community and keep playing the game. Cause that it's that two sided hobby of playing the game and the hobby. So if one gets too difficult, yeah. you don't want to like push them out. So you just want to let them come in the way that they want and then let them go further just by being supportive. I'd love to know how John Fawkes did it. So John Fawkes, it, he plays with his daughter at doubles tournaments and she paints her own miniatures. And she, I'd, I'd love to know how he kind of, he got her into the hobby in the first place because uh, I failed utterly with my, with my bigger two children, but I've got this, the, uh, a very hyperactive three-year-old who, he painted some trees with me and he kind of like uh, base coated them with me and stuff. And I'd, I'd love to be able to get him in 
to painting and to kind of being interested in that stuff as he goes on. So I might, might hit up John and ask him for some tips about how he got his daughter into so, it. Sounds like a good idea for an episode. One thing I also want to mention, don't just think about the hobby. I know Aubrey was real big uh, and still is helping me write my Kingdoms of Half Men fluff. So she's writing, coming up with the names and she's writing the background stories because I think that, Alex, you kind of alluded to it, I think that can then inspire the models you create, right? You've written the background story, you got this cool story for this king, now let's make up, let's find a suitable model to represent that person on the table. The more hooks the game gets into you, the more invested you are. It's like if you have a cool play style that you like in the game, you're going to start painting an army that to, to play that way. And then eventually you might like, well, this plays this way. And then you start like, you know, your character does something cool in game and you start making a little backstory for him. Or you come at it from the opposite direction. Like you're saying, like you have a backstory for the army and then plan about what you're going to buy and what you're going to build and paint around that. So it's like, however you want to enter the hobby, there's like all those different ways. And the more ways you're engaged, the longer and the healthier your you know hobby life or your hobby community will be, right? And I think some of it you just got to be supportive. I know when Hillary was, was first starting to get into miniature painting, uh, she was kind of unsure. And I was like, hey, well, I have a bunch of, of these models. Which one do you want to pick? And I knew the one that I thought she liked the most, but I didn't want to like – I wanted her to empower herself into deciding what she wanted to do. And She doesn't want to take your female models. Yeah, she doesn't want to paint my my sexy girl models. She wants to paint like cute little trees. But but uh, she laughs at me. <laughs> her in the background. Yeah, she's laughing because she's painting right now <laughs> while I'm recording. But the thing is, as she's like kind of getting her feet wet in the hobby, she's picking the colors. And like I'm trying to, to – if she asks me a question – like give an answer or talk about techniques. But in the end, I'm just really trying to be loving and supportive of her as she kind of experiences this hobby and learns how to, what colors work together. And the same thing with like the games that we're playing is like encourage, like let's try this game out. But in the end, it's like, uh, if she finds the love for it, or if your child finds the love for it in and of themselves without you, your passion can help inspire them. But if they find that love for themselves, that's when it really takes root in their creative soil and becomes like a part of their life, I think. Yeah, you have to lead by example. Yep. One of my proudest moments as a dad is when my kids were downstairs playing 40K and uh, uh, Warhammer against each other. And uh, they would run upstairs and uh, scream and yell about how their brother or sister did them wrong. So, I mean, but that was great because I wasn't at the table. And it was really cool. I really enjoyed that. And the other thing you got to remember, you got to let them drift in and out as they do. I, I try not to force them. If, you know, if they're in a funk and they don't want to do it, I don't push them. So they'll come back. Everybody takes a break. Everybody's got that famous story in college where they discover girls and then they eventually come back to the hobby. So or guys. And if they don't, that's OK, too. Like if, if they legitimately want to do something different and that's OK. Exactly. Well, this this debate's been disappointingly tame, hasn't it? You know, we haven't had any blues. What's going on? <laughs> we could probably debate this till the you know, or discuss it till the end. But at the end of the day, all we can do is be inclusive and be supportive and encourage people to continue on uh, that growth. If they do, they'll probably be around for a long time. I, I would say that you know, I I really I, I do like poking fun at people, and I don't mind having fun poked at me. I don't like upsetting people at all. It re- that upsets me. If I've really hurt somebody's feelings. I'm really sorry, and that's definitely not my intention. That I can really relate to. It is not. It's not great when you cause people to cry. Speaking from personal experience, (laughs) (laughs) especially when they're children. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, making children cry. No one would do that. Every, every eight-year-old year needs to know what it's like to get soul reavers on the flank. So that's just – I was providing a service. Well, I, I find this an inclusive podcast. You know, I think the countercharge is good at being inclusive. You invited Steve on, so. Well, we even let you know, an, a colonist in here, some criminal from over there. Not even not even good enough to be on direct misfire, and we still let him in. Jesus. I know. <laughs> not for one of trying. <laughs> Oh, not for lack of trying. I like that. Well, you know, I like I draw the line at that army. Jeremy was mentioned with, you know, these army men are sprayed blue and, you know, stuff like that. But everybody's got what they want to play against. Like, I know this is going to be a controversial opinion, but I don't like playing historical armies at Kings of War tournaments. For me, it breaks my immersion. So I'd rather probably play a Lego fantasy based army than you know, a group of Romans or something like that. So that's just for me. I just, I just like to play the, uh, the straight up Kings of War armies at the tournaments. And again, it comes down to, well, what is that, you know, type of thing for me. So, and I don't know, that's just for me. I, I think in the end, well, what you guys are really hitting on that's resonating for me. And I think it's really one of the like core values of our show, which is we all love this hobby. Right. And in the end for us to continue in this hobby, we need other people to love it as well. Like I can't love it enough for everyone. So what can we do to try to create a community and different types of communities that, that welcome people in, inspire them to do better or, or whatever. So that in the end, I want to be able to do this hobby until I die or until I like, you know, walk up me and Rob with our canes is where in my day we actually had models, not 3D projections or whatever they're going to have in Wargaming 20, 25 years from now. So in the end, it's like we all love this hobby and we want it to exist as a thing in the world. So what can we do as members of the community to help encourage its continued thriving? That just takes me on a wild sidetrack talking about 3D projections. Have you guys seen that guy posting about Tabletop Simulator? Like he's recreated Kings of War in a 3D. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't yeah, even know um, what it is. Carl Booth. So you buy it on Steam, basically. It's it's more of a. It's unlike UB. It's not like multi-platform. I don't think yet. You buy it on Steam and download it, and it's essentially like a more immersive UB. Now, is that the future? Is that, I think you know that genuinely. It's it's pretty ropey. It looks like at the moment, but you know, because Warhammer Warhammer's massive, right? Uh, what's it called? Warhammer Total War. Total War is huge, right? Jake's always playing that. He's always going on about it on, uh, you know, and people probably play that just as much as they play like Sixth Edition now on the table, right? Is that where Kings of War is going? Like oh, your own created games rather than 3D printing, you just play it online or projected, right? Is that? Yeah, they have like altered reality. You get the state, you know, you have the goggles and just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want even. Have I don't know. I still, I still think there's something magical about having a shelf filled with models that you painted yourself, and I don't Absolutely. know if that's ever good i mean look at like you go you know you can't now because of uh, the corona but if you would like go into like a borders look at the there's no more cds anymore it's all vinyls so who would ever have thought vinyl records or like would come back and be a thing you know what i mean so i think things are always cyclical you just never know you know maybe eventually people will want to go old school i mean board games are so huge right now you know what I mean? So, I mean, I don't know. Who knows where it's going to go in the future? They are. And actually, I've just been playing, because I'm doing sidetracks at the minute, um, I've kickstarted a game called Dice Upon a Time. It's a miniature game, but you play, it's like, fan, uh, like a, they're like about 40 millimeter scale fairy tale characters. And you play, it's quite a cool mechanic. My whole family, apart from my son, who was having a teenage tantrum, sat and played that. It's absolutely brilliant. And sitting and playing a board game with miniatures with your family is just really, really fun. So I think that, you know, you're absolutely right. It's not going to die What's out, that? right? What's it called? You said Dice Upon a Time? 
Dice Upon a Time. It's brilliant. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. It's really, really good, really fun. I really, And it's very strategic, and it, you can really annoy people with it. It's brilliant. So I'm good at it. We'll take another quick commercial break, and on the other side, we'll come back and close out the show. This is Paige from Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Zanshen Fanti. And welcome back. Uh, so now we're going to proceed with some shout-outs. Rob, I think you've got something you want to shout-out. Yeah, it's something I was going to mention in the update. Uh, I was been looking, I mean, I've got a lot of time on the computer. <laughs> so I sitting there working, distracted, Facebook, that kind of stuff. But I've been searching the web just for different models. And I came across uh, these models from a company called Blood Carrot Knights. And they're available through scalebro.com. They are Minotaur and they are amazing. And I shared them with Alex. And Alex, you had a, an interesting take. Something that you know, I've noticed with a lot of 3D printing, you know, sculpts that are available for everyone to, like, you know, make their own units, print their own units, and which is an awesome opportunity for everyone. But these guys included, although there is a character, um, there are three poses for the Minotaurs plus a character. So if you wanted, you could add the character for a horde of large infantry for Kings of War. But if you want to use them separate, you're stuck with three poses so a a repeated pose in every horde if you're doing minimum model count i just want to appeal to all the 3d sculptors out there make a fourth pose i just you know it'd make a huge difference for kings of war i think because you don't want to have that one duplicate pose in a horde it always like throws me off and i just think there's such a great opportunity here where like we're making all these cool you know custom units for all these fantastical creatures you know artists are having a field day with like the ability to do all this 3d printing i make an appeal to all of you 3d printers 3d modelers out there make a fourth pose it'll make all your the kings of war players so much happier i completely agree yeah i mean it's something i lament with the new man models i love so much of the new mantic models and i know that they're bringing them out primarily for vanguard initially but when i see them ranked up i just sit there and say i wish they looked more different <laughs> yeah this is the appeal of hard plastic right this is why hard plastic is such a, a mega thing i was thinking about this today when i was push fitting my rune wars miniatures which are awesome and they look great and there's four poses well hey with the berserkers right but berserker unit is like a it's a infantry regiment so if i'm going to have like 16 or 15 guys in a, in a, in a regiment, there's going to be four poses and there's going to be a lot of repeats. And that's why people love hard plastic because you clip them off the sprue and then you put them anywhere you like, right? So you'll get your, 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 your sprue of scarecrows. Your scarecrows are going to have 40 different poses because they're going to have their arms all over the place, their legs all over the place. That's the appeal. It's these new ones are all resin. Resin is the fine detail, but you got stuck with your poses, right? So yeah. that's the appeal of hard plastic, isn't it? My OCD is like, I want all the same pose, like my rats. Or I want different poses. <laughs> like my Perry miniatures right now, I have like, you know, regiments of 20 guys and they're all different. So it's like, I don't, that middle ground really throws me off. So you want everything. You want you, you want your cake and to eat it. I want them all the same and I want them all different at the same time. Make your mind Absolutely. up, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I have two, I'm of two minds, so. Well, that'll do us for tonight. And so until next time, keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, 
If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. I lost Steve. Uh, I've, Am I here? Yeah, Steve's here. I've lost the thread now. Jerry's down. Insert elevator music here. Duval, man down. Duval. It's all right. Steve's taken so long. We haven't got time for anything else anyway. Oh, my microphone was off. That's, I muted myself. <laughs> I muted myself. Stupid. You're seeing it. <laughs> Dude, that movie is so messed up, man. Uh, okay, I can I... do one. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't sure who you talking about. Yeah, no, I'll do it. I got it. <laughs> Welcome back to Counter Charge. And something that the Counter Charge group has been uh, discussing. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, because I'm shit. Oh, sorry. I'm here. The sound clips I get to put in are going to be amazing. Amazing.